I don't know, but that last one looked like the Adams family to me. And some of you don't know who the Adams family is, except for what you've seen in reruns on Nickelodeon, probably, or something. I don't know. So, hey, how, oh, so I already said, how are you guys? I'm not doing that one again. Where am I? Oh, yeah. We're right in the middle of a family series. Um, we're showing photos of, of awkward family photos these days, just for fun, you know, no harm. You guys are sending them to us, so just having some fun with that. And we're, we're talking about family matters. And my conviction is this, God talks about the family like it matters. And there are matters in our families that we should talk about. And so that's what we're doing these days. We're right smack in the middle of this series. And I thought, you know, um, as we're talking about this, maybe it would be helpful if we just kind of figured out what an average family is. You know, so I figured, you know, where else to find this stuff except on Google. So I Googled average family. Right, and so I and the first thing that came up on average family on Google was images. So, just kind of showing some images of families. Look at these are average families. That's fascinating, and that was all across the top row of the images on on Google for average family. What do you know? What do you learn about average families from what we just saw? There's four people in the family. There's a mom and a dad and two children of different genders, and and they're all sitting down, which tells me the average family sit a lot. Yeah. So, So let me ask you this. According to that description or picture of the average family, so that's mom and dad, two children living at home all together, right? How many of you live in a household as an average family, according to that definition? Yeah. Okay, let's put it in different terms. According to that definition, how many of you do not live in an average family? Which is really confusing to me because now I don't know what to talk about. I had this great talk all designed for husband and, and wife, mom and dad, and, or dad and mom, and two kids. Now what do we do? Pray. Pray. <laughs> you're, you're more spiritual. I was going to punt. It's good. So... You know, so I want, to, I want to help figure this out. The Bible talks a lot about families, and it gives some really good insight into saying, you know, this is what this looks like, here's what it doesn't look like, those kinds of things, and we just got to figure it out together from the book, right? Not, not trying to, hey, let's get our heads together and figure out how to do it better. Let's just study the Bible and see how we do it and see what God says about it. That will help us. And so last weekend, we talked about marriage, and Carl Rettinger, our middle school director, was here, and he was talking about marriage and how does that work, what's the purpose of it, that kind of thing. This next weekend, Friday and Saturday, we're hosting the Henry Cloud Unreal Marriage Conference, and uh, so we're going to talk about marriage again this next weekend. By the way, that conference is sold out, so, you know, if, if you were like, hey, I'll just do the lakeside thing, and I'll sign up, you know, when it gets down to it, it, it got down to it. So anyway, it's, it's filled up. We're having 800 people here next weekend uh, just to hear Henry Cloud and talk about marriage. So yeah, it's good stuff, right? And if you wanted to come and you didn't get signed up, we'll try and provide CDs or something, okay? So let's see. So anyway, we're doing, we're doing these two things on marriage, and I thought in between there, we ought to do another topic that we don't often talk about when it comes to families, but it's really crucial for us as a church to figure this out. And it's the topic of singleness, Sometimes churches get a little bit weirded out about the whole single thing. It's like, oh, we promote families or we build families and that's what we do. It's like, yeah, but what's the average family? What does it mean to build a family? Does it mean husband and wife and two children living at home? What if you add a third child? What if your children all move away? 
Yeah, what about that? So, you know, how do we talk about family? And one of the issues that comes up in the church is the family, the family is made of married couples and children. And sometimes the family is made up of just a married couple. And sometimes it's a single person raising children. Sometimes it's just a single person all by themselves. And a lot of other iterations of family. So what does that look like? So we're just going to take some time today and we're going to talk through the scriptures about the concept of singleness and how it relates to all of us. And some of you, you're like me, you're like, you know, I'm married. I don't, I don't know about single. I'm not really interested because that's not where I am. It's like, okay, but you know what? We have friends around us who are single and friends around us who are married. How do we relate together in the family of Christ? So that's where we're heading. We're going to look at the scripture and try and figure out what it talks about regarding this. If you have your Bible, why don't you open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we're going to read a little and talk a little and read a little and talk a little. And then I have a surprise treat for you but you've got to wait for it, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, starting in the beginning, verse 1. It's written by the Apostle Paul, and he says, Now, for the matters you wrote about... Let's stop there. Here's the deal. We have certain topics in our world that we're interested in. Certain things in our culture, we go, Oh, I want to know about this. Or certain things in our lives, we go, This really matters to me. And so we'll seek out teachers and we'll say, what can you tell me about this? Or we'll say, what does the Bible say about this kind of issue? And what you find out when you read the letter to the Corinthians is they were just like us. And they had written a letter to the Apostle Paul. And they said, Paul, we can't figure some things out. Could you address these questions for us? And the first question they asked, the first question he answered for them is coming here. He says, now, for the matters you wrote about... Number one, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. Let me skip down, skip over some stuff. It talks about marriage there and then skip down to verse 6. He says, I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now, to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now, let's stop there. We're going to read farther in a moment, but let's just stop there for a minute and think through some principles that come from this passage of Scripture regarding singleness in this life. Number one, principle number one, singleness is first class. Sometimes when you're single, sometimes when people are single among the church, they sort of feel like second-class citizens. Like, I don't really measure up. The church always talks about families and marriage and all that stuff, and, and I don't fit that, so I sort of feel like a second-class citizen. Paul says, I wish that everyone could remain like I am single. Apparently, the apostle, the apostle Paul was single, and he lived his life that way, and he said, that's the best way I found to serve Christ. So if you're single, you have the ability to focus on Christ in ways that other people don't have. It's first class. It's not second class. And when we as married people in the church um, treat people who are single in the church, we make them feel like, oh, you're, you know, you're, you'll get there someday. Really missing the boat in terms of what Paul said about singleness. He said, this is the best way to advance the kingdom of God. I'm not distracted by anything. Principle number two, sexual morality matters. 
He says, if you, if you don't have control over your sexual impulses, but you're single, he says, maybe it's better for you to marry than to burn with passion. He says, it's a matter of having sexual purity in your life. And here's the deal. No one will tell you this in our culture. There's not an environment outside the church of Jesus Christ where people tell you sexual morality matters today. And it still does. And when you come into the scriptures, you, you, you can't say, well, yeah, but that was written for generations ago. It's, things have changed today. Look, morality from God's perspective doesn't change with the TV programs over the generations. You know, it doesn't go from, it doesn't go from Leave it to Beaver to the Brady Bunch to the Cosby family to Roseanne to Modern Family. It doesn't keep changing like that from God's perspective. Our culture does because our culture says sexual morality doesn't matter. But God says it matters. He says it matters if you're married, and he says it matters if you're not married. It matters. And he says, I want you to keep yourself sexually pure. Principle number three. Some people, not all, have a gift of celibacy. Or, or not most. I, I mean, that's, that's true, right? Most of, us, most of us probably don't have the gift, gift of celibacy. There'd be, a lot more, there'd be a lot more written about that if that was true. And, and you even have people in the Catholic Church who are practicing celibacy, and they go, oh, this is really hard. Yeah, you signed up for it. Yeah, but it's really hard. But some people have a gift of celibacy. Paul said he had that. He says, some people have this gift, some people have that gift. And some people have a gift for being married, and some people don't. Some people have a gift of celibacy. And they keep themselves single to be able to say, I'm going to focus my attention on advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ in this world. And Paul says that's a beautiful gift because it advances the gospel and you're not distracted by a husband or a wife. You see, I know, I know some, of you, some of you men are going, you're doing this to your wife again. You're going, see, he said you're a distraction, honey. Read my lips. I did not say that. Okay? I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you're distracting to your husband or, or wife. Paul's just saying, if you have a husband or a wife, you have an obligation to them. And in fact, I believe part of the way I advance the kingdom of God is to love my wife well. And part of the way she advances the kingdom of God is to love her husband well. But someone who's not attached to a spouse has this freedom to be able to say, I'm going to devote myself to serving Christ, and it's an amazing gift. Now, let me read a little farther. Verse 25, and again, he's answering their questions. He says, now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Don't seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Don't look for a wife. But if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she's not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. (laughs) Some of you didn't think there was humor in the Bible. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. 
I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he's engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He's not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she's happier if she stays as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Principle four. God's assignment is active now. God's assignment in your life. So some of us are assigned right now to a married life. And we chose that and that's where we are. And he says, you can't get out of that. You don't just like, hey, I'd like to be single. I can do more for Christ. Bye. No, no, that's not how that works. Not what he's saying. And some people are, are in a single life. And in, what Paul's saying is, if that's where you are, if you're single now or if you're married now, take advantage of what you have. You have an assignment from God. That assignment might change. And some of you who are single, you go, oh, I really don't want to be single. I'd like to be married. Well, that assignment might change. But as long as you have this assignment as a single person, live it and give your life for Christ's sake. And if your assignment is as a married person and that's where you are, then take that assignment and live it. And by how you treat your wife or by how you treat your husband, live out the gospel in your neighborhood, in your world, in your workplace. Principle number five. Paul says a single person is free to marry in the Lord. Literally, the translation says in the Lord. What, the way the NIV translates it, I think, is um, the person must, be, must belong to Christ. So here's the principle for this. If you're single and you're you know, thinking about getting married someday or whatever... Uh, the, the last question to ask when you're starting to date someone, you're starting to get serious, and you're starting to think, hey, maybe we'll get engaged. You're thinking, maybe we'll get married. The last question to ask is not, hey, are you a Christian? You've already invested your heart and soul. You've already given this person almost everything you have. And then the last question you come to is, oh, you know what? Are you a Christian? And if they say no, it's like it's going to be impossible to, for you to extricate yourself from that relationship. And Paul says, you want to be blessed in your marriage and you're not yet married, make sure when you go down that road that the first question you ask is, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm passionate about him. Are you? And if they go, hmm, hmm. You got to say at that point, this is, this is not the person for me. At least not yet. That missionary dating thing is not a healthy biblical strategy. You know, oh, I'll date him, and then he'll become a Christian. Or I'll marry him, then he'll become a Christian. It's not how the Bible sets it up. And we jump into those kind of marriages to our own pain. 
And I could introduce you to dozens of people who have gone into that kind of marriage and have walked with a lot of trouble in their life because they were not married to another follower of Christ. It's the deepest, most intimate relationship you have, your relationship with God through Christ. And if you think you can join another intimate relationship called marriage without that marriage being based on a relationship with Christ, you're fooling yourself. Start with, are you a follower of Jesus? And then see where God takes it. Now, those are some principles from 1 Corinthians 7, from the Bible, that say this is some thought about singleness and marriage in this world. And you can go back and read the whole chapter, and there's other things in the Bible about that. But I thought, you know, as we're coming to this subject, I have not been single since I was 20 years old. Yeah, I was 20 years old plus eight days when I got married, just a child. And uh, it's worked out good for me. I'm very pleased. But I don't really remember what it was like to be single. And last time I was single, I was a sophomore in college. And even then, Donna and I were dating. You know, So like, I don't get that whole area of life very well from a practical perspective. And so I thought maybe today we could just bring some friends of ours here at Lakeside who are single, who are living as Christians, in, as single Christians in this world, and get their perspective on this and let us as uh, friends and family members who are married say, i got to learn from you. And those among us who are single say, hey, maybe I can learn from you. So that's our goal. So why don't you welcome my friends who are coming up to be with us, and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. Yeah, welcome on up. All right, so we have Jill Whitmire and Ian Cornell and Janine Copeland coming. And they're all Lakesiders, all been Lakesiders for quite some time. And we're just going to talk through some issues about what this whole single life looks like and how do we respond to it from Christ's perspective. This, uh, this feels like a very unfair episode of the dating game, the old TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to close my eyes and hope the next voice is a beautiful female hiding behind the curtain. Sounds like a plan. Okay, good. Okay. We're on. <laughs> Shall we begin now? I don't know. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. So, Ian, you, tell me, what's your story? As it relates to this, my yeah. story is that about uh, 12 or 13 years ago, I uh, became divorced. Uh, not to, that wasn't my desire at all. I had a beautiful wife. I have two beautiful sons, one who's in the crowd tonight. And um, uh, so I just had to uh, focus on what, what had happened and what was going to happen. I discovered through some introspection that I think I had confused contentment with complacency. I think in my marriage I had become complacent and I thought that that was contentment. So I essentially, as a, as a person, I became somewhat boring and I probably was not a, uh, a good spouse at that point. So marriage ended. That brought me into a... I, I connected with a, a church that was a church plant out in Roseville, served dutifully with them, ended up here at Lakeside and ended up here on the stage tonight. Yeah, so tell me about that. How did you decide, you know... To come up here and tell your story to a group of people, that's got to be a little daunting. It, a bit daunting. You asked me if I, if I would, and that was a, a little bit nerve-wracking. i got to tell you, Pastor Brad asked this. It was the day after he had delivered the What's in Your Hand sermon. In other words, whatever we've been blessed with is what we should be sharing. And I've got so many other things in my life that I could share and talk about and, uh, and explain. And here I'm I'm up here to share the, uh, the scarlet letter of divorce, or the, the scarlet D on my shirt. Or I guess it's not there right now. But, um, so that, that's how I came to it, as, as you were asking, and I hope that I can provide some value. Yeah, and I appreciate you being willing to say, hey, this is, this is part of what God's brought me into in my life, and so I'm going to tell a story. 
right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. okay, good. Jill, what's your story? Um, well, to do the short candy-coated version, because it's really a lot uglier and uh, more like a lifetime television for women movie. Um, but it's my, <laughs> um, I did everything right in my life. I grew up in the church. I went to a Christian college. I got married when I was 21 to a Christian, and we served at our church. And um, I'm uh, like eight years ago, I, eight, probably nine years ago, actually, um, I got divorced because of infidelity on my husband's part. It was not something I wanted either. I tried everything I could to, you know, keep that marriage. I prayed and prayed and prayed and, um, you know, but he begged me for a divorce. He, when I asked him to choose me and my son or the other person, he chose her. So, um, a lot of pain with that, but, um, that's just the short version, um, yeah. but I wanted to share my story because God has provided me with so many blessings and um, has been a true provider, and I want to give him the glory for yeah. all of that. Okay. Good. Thank you. Janine, how about you? Yeah, for me, I, I walked out um, two marriages. I was married when I was 19 because I was pregnant with my oldest son, and um, that marriage ended in divorce due to the fact that I was unfaithful was part of it, and I had a drinking problem. And the second marriage failed for similar reasons, just a lot going on there, but um, drug addiction and alcoholism were the primary culprits. And um, I ended up here at Lakeside in 2006, and in 2008, God delivered me from um, alcoholism and drug addiction and through Christ Jesus, and I have never been the same. In that time, um, Jesus captured my heart in a way that I'd never experienced before, and it's, it's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Can I just make that my story, too? Let's forget <laughs> yeah. what I said. I'll take that one. <laughs> Believe me, there was a lot of pain associated with that story. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Yeah. Janine, tell us, in your mind, what's the best part of living singly in this world? Um, living singly, for me, the most amazing part is um, very well spoken in Exodus 33, where Moses talks about... Um, if I have found grace in your sight and you know me by name, show me your glory. For me, it has been to get to know God the person through Jesus Christ. It is amazing, and it is just an amazing gift that I wouldn't exchange for anything in this world. Okay. Yeah. Anybody, how about the hardest thing Yeah. about living singly? Uh, for me, it's my, I have a lot of time par poverty. Uh, I don't have... Uh, my, I have my son probably 99.9% .9 of the time. Um, I have full legal and physical custody. And um, it's really difficult to work and go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. I did order my groceries online last week, and that was fabulous. Um, <laughs> so great. But um, I just don't have the time that I want to be a mom and take care of my household and work and be good at all of those things. It's, it's difficult. And be a friend and all the other things that I want to be. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Anybody else? Hard, hard parts? No? All right. Well, tell me about this. What kind of challenges do you face in the church as a single person? You go. Ian, you. I get pointed at. Um, I don't know that I do face any. Uh, it, it actually, yeah, uh, this is a, uh, almost a warp sounding, but it, when I went through the, the process of divorce, <laughs> one of the battles that uh, wasn't 
I say battle, that's a, I had a lovely bride, and she, uh, uh, but she and I had differing opinions on uh, practice of faith and church. And so when I got divorced, that allowed me more freedom as far as uh, working and serving at the church. I, I serve on the tech team back there, and they promised no matter what, they're going to make me look good tonight. So I sure appreciate that. Um, and uh, so, no, so, uh, I, I hate to see what happens. I like that one. Uh, thank you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Very good. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but no, so, so as affiliation with the church is actually, I've been able to uh, dive in deeper as a result. Okay. All right. What do married people do that drive you crazy? <laughs> complain about their spouse. Yeah. Like the little things. Like, mm-hmm. You actually hear married people complain about their oh, spouse? Yes. All, all, all the time. At church? Uh-huh. At Bible study and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who? Are you a Bible study with my wife? <laughs> okay, go ahead. But no, like I that. mean, I understand like it's a friend and they're sharing whatever, but um, it just seems so trivial after. And, and that's another thing. Like um, I sometimes feel like families in the church or married couples don't think that I have a valid opinion or know what goes on in a marriage because I'm single. But I was married and I actually saw my marriage disintegrate from the smallest little thing that started out as an innocent whatever and just keep going and going. So I have a tendency to, if I notice something is, you know, I'll be like, oh, you need to read this book, Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands, and do it. Because <laughs> I think you're not being very nice to your husband or whatever, because I, I just have a heart for that. Like, I don't want to see that happen to anyone else. And so... one of the principles we talked about is the whole idea of celibacy and so there are people that paul says like himself he says i have this gift of being single to -hmm. be able to serve god you know more fully any of you have that gift i i have that gift yes and it's it's interesting to me because um right before brad emailed me about doing this i had been praying about it because i'm very aware that it's it's been many many years walking it out with God, and I was praying about um, asking him to give me a willing heart because I knew he was calling me to do this for the remainder of my days here. I knew it. And um, once he got me to that place of my heart is willing, then Brad emailed me about this. And to me, it was just a confirmation that that did come from the Lord. It was the Holy Spirit. And it's not hard for me. It's God's my maker and my husband. I'm set apart for him um, to do ministry. And I love what he's doing with my life. I have more joy and more love. And I'm filled up to overflowing. And um, I wouldn't trade that for anything that the world has to offer. It's amazing. So one of the issues that, that Paul brings to us is the whole issue of sexual morality. That's challenging sometimes for couples in marriage. It's obviously challenging for people that are not married. How, mm-hmm. What have you guys learned to do to deal with that in life? I think um, for me, uh, and I'm not saying that I have been perfect in that area. When I first was divorced, I was very vulnerable, and I thought I could set myself apart from that because mm-hmm. I'm a Christian and I can be strong in that area, but I'm lonely. So, um, but I think the main thing is to keep yourself out of situations. And, you know, even mm-hmm. the men I dated were Christians, but, it, you know, there were still things that happened that shouldn't have happened. And, but now I am more aware of like, it's, 
my decision, and even that, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily have the gift of celibacy, I wouldn't say it's a gift, but it's where I am right now in life, and <laughs> that is um, what, that's how my life is, and I know that there's a lot of pain that comes from sexual immorality, and mm-hmm. um, I don't want that at mm-hmm. all, so it's, mm-hmm. uh, so it's almost easier to just not um, date at all, <laughs> um, but it, that's not really what I want, but that, I, it's a, ch- I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Okay. <laughs> any other stuff you guys have learned? Any ways to um, maintain sexual purity? Um, I, I do not date. I do not date, and um, anytime something is coming into my path or someone where there's a temptation, and I'm very aware of the temptation, I, I turn from it um, with the Lord's strength. Um, that's just what I'm called to. So I just don't put myself in that path. Okay. What scriptures have you guys found in your journey that has shaped you and empowered you to be the person God wants you to be today? Uh, uh, Easy for me. Uh, In Joshua uh, chapter 24, verse 15, and I will paraphrase this, it uh, is choose for yourself this day who you will serve. That is for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind what I came from was a, divided in that regard and uh so it is a it's a comfort and it's a way to just kind of cement myself good mm-hmm. and that's joshua 24 24 15 15 yes. okay mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. thank you ladies yeah for me it's psalm 23 um psalm 23 has just brought me a lot of comfort throughout the years it's a scripture that i've prayed over myself the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters he restores my soul there's just a lot of comfort and peace and truth Mm -hmm. in that scripture and i love it Mm -hmm. good for me it's verses that really um challenge me like i always end up arguing with god about them (laughs) Um, one I was reading the other day, I have several, but, um, one I was reading the other day was the story of, and it's in Matthew, the story of the workers in the vineyard and how, uh, the, the landowner paid all of the workers the same wage, even though some of them had been working all day and some of them had been working only an hour. And I always read that and go, that is so not fair. Like, come on. Um, but I try, I use those kind of verses to, um, show how gracious God is. And, um, even for me, like I have made some mistakes and have had really bad attitudes and a poor me about my, my story. Um, but God has delivered me through all of that. And it just shows me how gracious he is mm-hmm. when, when I read that. <laughs> okay, good. You guys, thank you very much for coming and sharing your story with us. Appreciate it. <laughs> Interesting how those stories, um, though they are, you, or those verses, they're using those in their life as a single person for Christ's sake. You can also take those same stories and say, hey, if I'm in a, in, if I'm in a marriage relationship, those same passages help me, right? Uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not want or I will not be in want. So that's good encouragement for all of us who are in the room in terms of how do we live out our lives with Christ. I want you to be thinking about how do we, how do, we do this. So we are, we are the family of God as Lakeside Church. And we've got people, again, in all different kinds of family situations and family statuses. And, you know, you can see it on your Facebook pages. It's all different. 
And how do we love one another? And how do we care for one another? How do we um, serve one another in these different relationships that we have as the family of Christ at Lakeside Church? In this next week, what I want you to do is I want you to be praying for us in this regard. I want you to pray for marriages in our church because we're going into this conference week and we're going to have a lot of marriages probably work through some stuff and and hopefully it'll all be great in the outcome, but sometimes working through it's a little bumpy. And so I want you to pray for that. I want you to pray for those among us who are single. And some of the ones among us will say, I'd really like to be married. And some will say, no, that's, that's not for me. And so I just want you to pray that the love of Christ and the witness of Christ goes out through us in all those different statuses in which we live. Okay? Next weekend, uh, so next weekend, Friday and Saturday is the Unreal Marriage Conference, but then we're still having church on the weekend, right? So Saturday night and Sunday morning, we're going to have our regular worship services, and our theme, as we talk about family matters that weekend, our theme is going to be that thing called children. So you come, I'm going to find somebody else to talk about it, but you come, and no, I'll be here, I'll talk about it, I'll tell you everything I know. It's going to be about a three-minute talk next weekend. (laughs) No, we'll, we'll find out what scripture says. Okay, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you. We appreciate that you love us. In fact, you loved us first. Our love for you is a response to you. So thank you for your love for us. Lord, that love gets lived out in different ways, and the gifts you give to us are different from one another. And some of us have been married a long time. Some of us are newlyweds. Some of us have never been married. Some of us were and are not now. And so there's all these different places where we are in life. And for each one of us, you pour your love out on us. And I'm grateful to you for that. Lord, for those who are single among us and they're saying, God, I really want something different. Would you hear their prayer? And would you lead them in the way you want them to go? Lord, for those who maybe are just cons- beginning to consider, wow, maybe this, maybe this single life is for me. And maybe the, maybe the reason I have so much freedom to share Christ is because God has called me to this. And Lord, if you're speaking to people that way, let them listen. Let them hear you. And for all of us, may we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may it be evident among us as your church. We seek this out through Jesus Christ, our great Savior. Amen.